we do have Kevin Longquist, who I guarantee you there was it was either a fire or something. There's almost nothing that would make him late for the Matt Mosley show. I just I can't even think of any anything that could be happening in his life that would ever do that. Kevin, are you okay? Do you need? Uh, it, it was actually you need, yeah. because my check didn't come in the mail, so that's why I was doing <laughs> that. So. <laughs> Well, happy uh, New Year to you, Matt. Same to you, and uh, good to good to visit with you. And this is uh, there's a lot going on, uh, Kevin. The uh, by the way, you're an SMU guy, and and this Correct. ties into a Baylor, uh, someone with well Waco ties, not Baylor ties, but Tanner Mordecai right. went to OU from Midway High School in the Waco, uh, the Greater Waco area. And then he ends up at SMU, and he puts up great numbers. Now, SMU, of course, with Preston Stone, big-time recruit that uh, Sonny brought in that's a five-star-type recruit. Uh, Tanner Mordecai decides today to go to Wisconsin. As a, as a guy, that's an interesting thing for you, Kevin, because you've got, you've got ties up in that part of the world. You've got SMU ties. It, did, do you think Tanner just wanted the shot at playing at a Power 5 school, or was it more about do you think Tanner felt like that was truly going to be a, a rough battle with Preston Stone? Uh, what happened in this case? Okay, so let me start off by saying this. Let me be the mean, spiteful uh, fan with all of my ties to Minnesota with him going to Wisconsin. Uh, first of all, he's dead to me. But on a, on a lighter note, um, <laughs> but on a lighter note, you know, I, you know, if you look at Tanner's situation at SMU, remember he com- he declared for the NFL draft. But when he also got into the portal, it was kind of a situation. I don't know what kind of feedback he got from the NFL, at least early on, for what his prospects were going to be like. But if he did, probably weren't all that favorable. I think his career at SMU was pretty solid there. He was prone to making the big mistake, didn't play that great in the New Mexico Bowl against BYU. He was missing a couple of top receivers in that game, but the game plan wasn't that great either. He also threw a bad pick six in that game. But I also think, too, one of the angles here with going to Wisconsin is Luke Fickle, of course, because SMU and Cincinnati, both in the American Athletic Conference at the time. So Fickle had seen Mordecai for the last two years when SMU played Cincinnati, especially from you know last the game back in October. And I, I kind of think that what Luke was looking for is someone who can kind of move the offense forward. And you know, I think you can look at Tanner's career at SMU, like I said, very solid. If he could avoid the, the big mistake at Wisconsin you know, or you know, helping them to try and get back to the upper echelon of the Big Ten West, that's going to be a big, you know, big deal for them. But I think you, know, you would look at his talent and say maybe he's more talented than Shane Bouchel, who came from Texas to SMU a couple of years prior to Tanner. But I also think, too, that I think his opportunity to go to P5 and go up to Wisconsin, because it sounds like Wisconsin's you know, NIL situation is pretty well organized. And I think he just wants to take a shot at in, in the Big Ten. And maybe just, even though I know Baylor fans were kind of excited about the possibility of him maybe coming back home, because that's what Jackson Player did last year from Tulsa. I think just Tanner just wanted to try something else because of – 
you know, the familiarity with Luke Fickle. All right, all those things, um, I appreciate. I knew you would have great perspective on that. Talking to Kevin Longquist, uh, who does a little bit of everything, but uh, Rivals.com is where you see his work. And at Sikkim Sports on Twitter has a lot of good stuff. Uh, Kevin Baylor has, uh, since we last talked, hired a defensive coordinator in Matt Pallage. And today the news on the new inside linebackers, Coach. Let's start with Pallage. You remember his work with the Bears, special teams, and safeties coach, 2020 and 2021. I mean, we knew some of the possibilities. This shouldn't shock us. A guy very familiar to Aranda and familiar to the Baylor program. Um, Knowing kind of who is out there and then landing Pallage. And then also, I want you to speak to this from a recruiting perspective. Can you speak to what kind of impact Pallage had at Baylor as a recruiter, and and how big a role did that play in this hire? I think yes to your your last question, Matt. I think his uh, arrival uh, will help Baylor on the recruiting front, and I think if you look at the way he communicates with his secondary, I think it makes a big difference in terms of just how they play, because obviously. Matt, we know that Baylor's secondary had a lot of problems in 2022. And in 2021, this team had 19 interceptions. I had a stat. I tweeted out a stat yesterday that 11 of Baylor's 19 interceptions came from their safeties. Six from JT Woods, two from Jalen Petrie, three from Jaron McVay. And, of course, McVay makes the, you know, Big 12 championship saving play at the end, of course, to win that game against Oklahoma State. And I think what – Matt will do, and I kind of thought, you know, he was on the short list. I thought, you know, with, with Wisconsin's Jim Lenhart, who was the interim head coach and defensive coordinator when Paul Chris got fired at Wisconsin earlier in the year. But I thought that Matt, because of the fact that he's young enough, he did a great job with the special teams units and the safeties there at Baylor, that it's a perfect match because he comes back to what Baylor will likely keep the three three five in order with him he can handle the safeties that sort of thing and and get that secondary retooled a little bit and and i think the other thing that'll help here is the fact that he can communicate in a way with guys that'll make a difference here you know he's only basically twice the age of some of these other guys are maybe 13 years older 14 years older you know that sort of thing matt which will make an appeal and it's a different personality than what ron roberts was and i think the impression that he made with dave and the impression that he made with baylor of course uh, speaks for itself. I will say this, though, in closing on him, uh, Matt, is I think Pallage is a head coach in the making in a few years. And I, these are all – you can see the stepping stones. He goes from position coach at uh, Louisiana. Then he comes to Baylor and handles position in safeties along with special teams. Then goes to Oregon to become the co-defensive coordinator. Then comes back to Baylor to be the defensive coordinator. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised that in the next – few years if he really has great success with Baylor's defense that he's going to get an opportunity to coach somewhere in his near future to be to run a program that's what I think of him yeah I like that that's great perspective and uh, Kevin Longquist from Rivals you know what I say Kevin take that Oregon take that Oregon Ducks <laughs> how about that extra point to beat North Carolina when it doinks off the upright and goes in huh <laughs> that's right 
That thing went right off the left upright and bounced in, and uh, you could hear the Novosad family cheering from here. But, um, yeah, there's that. And so, yeah, whatever. I, there, you speak about dead to me. I'm about ready to move on from that whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people from Baylor have to move on from that. And so, uh huh, uh huh. But but that's interesting for someone like you who's actually probably gotten to know the family and. And talk yeah. to the kid. I mean, you have a little different relationship, so in a sense, it's not quite as easy for you to move on. You'll probably watch him and 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 think well of him. Although, you know, my thought is not that he flipped. It's more like the communication. You know, the school that he had in uh, the family had spent so much time with and everything and the commitment, and then to yeah. to to do it at that late. Uh, that late in the game, and I, I know this is all part of it, but it, it, it did right. not. Uh, I don't think it makes them look very good. But whatever. No. Um, it, it, on the, on the, I'll say this: the optics of it, no, Matt. But let's just look at it. Remember, there's two rules in recruiting that I always live by. Number one, recruiting is weird. I've said that for years, for as long as I've covered Baylor, and just recruiting in general, because weird stuff like this happens. We've seen flips at the last minute take place over time, and that's just that's just the way it goes sometimes. The other thing is always remember on a verbal commitment, it is a verbal commitment, meaning that it's non-binding. So that means you haven't signed anything and you are still pretty much fair game. And the other thing to always keep in mind is that the recruiting for somebody who is of great caliber, as Austin is, that the recruiting really starts when the commitment is made. So I don't think Baylor, you know, and this is why the pickle that Baylor's in now, Matt, is because, you know, the only scholarship quarterback on the roster, as we've talked about ad nauseum now, is Blake Shapin. So now they've got to go into the portal, and they've got to try and find somebody there to see if they can make an impact there. And they're really scrambling to try and find someone to see if they can do that. Do you have any – I thought of you when I saw, and I remembered uh, Rule recruiting him at one point, Right. The young man that has been at Arkansas, Malik Hornsby, was a name that has come up uh, in recent right. weeks. We now know Hudson Card is at Purdue. Uh, Mordecai, as we talked about, is at Wisconsin. Some of these guys are starting to go uh, off the board. Uh, the I think the big prize is the Wake Forest quarterback. He, he went to the top of the uh, heap in terms of, the, the 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 you know the 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 best quarterbacks in the portal. Where right. do you are 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 you hearing anything? Uh, how, is the Hornsby thing a possibility? Do, is is uh, is rule after him? What are we hearing on all that front? Okay, so let's kind of start from the top first of all with Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. That the that the reports were that he's probably going to wind up going to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is yes. playing uh, in the Gator Bowl against South Carolina as we speak. And so they probably are waiting for this game to end and maybe let the dust settle on that before he goes there. Then you got Grayson McCall, uh, who's at Coastal Carolina, who's in, in the portal. But the prop, but the issue that some folks are looking at, he's probably the most hot, hotly, you know, hot, the hottest commodity, I guess that's the best way to call it, uh, that's out there. And, but it's also, but the, but there's a lot of talk about it's going to take a huge NIL commitment from whoever to bring them on board. And that's a, that's one thing to look at there. Um, we'll start, then I'll bring up Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss. And I think he's an interesting quarterback. Of course, Baylor fans remember saw him 
in the Sugar Bowl last year when Matt Corral went down with the ankle injury. And he's a guy that I know that Baylor has been in contact with, but I don't know if that's going to mean anything. Now, to bringing up Malik Hornsby, I saw him twice in the state championship game when he was at Fort Bend Marshall. I saw him play against Alito in those two years. And I think the greatest flaw in Malik's pl- ability to play the position is just being able to simply throw it and, and, and have – I think his mechanics need a lot of work. I know that a lot of people have talked about his, his progression in, in reading the field, breaking down defenses, you know, looking at that second and third reads, if it's available to him, that sort of thing. And maybe he's to one, you know, one progression and then take off and run if it's not there, that sort of thing. So, but here's the other predicament, Matt, that I think that Baylor's in on this, is that is, given the year that Blake Shapin had this year, and it wasn't great, you know, he, he the, the good news for him in the bowl game against Air Force last week was that he didn't turn it over. So, you know, that snapped that streak there. That was pretty ugly, but he wasn't that great either there. But I think Baylor's got two things to look at here in terms of the portal. Number one, if it pursues a quarterback like a Luke Altmaier or Malik Hornsby, who, by the way, Hornsby is also looking at UNLV in Nebraska on this, and he supposedly is going to announce his decision on January 8th on Instagram. And But whatever Baylor does here is that they've got to talk to a quarterback, and I think I've said this to you before, they've got to get him and to convince him that he's going to be a part of – an opportunity to compete for the starting job. Because if Baylor makes it pretty clear to whoever it is that he's talking to that Shapin's going to be the guy or that this guy's going to have to do X in order to overcome Blake as the starter, that guy might say, forget it, I'm not coming. You know, they they want an equal shot to do this. And then the other issue is that we go back to the NIL situation, Matt, and, you know, you hear different things on where Baylor's NIL situation is. It sounds like it's coming together, but is it coming together too late? And that's where the issue is. And, of course, the timing of Novosad's flip really puts them in a, in, a, in a big spot here. I'll give you one other stat here, Matt. If you include Mordecai, there were 48 quarterbacks, according to our Rivals Transfer Portal uh, website, that said 48 quarterbacks were in the portal. 32 of those had either found a spot to play for 2023 or withdrew. So that tells you what kind of numbers Baylor is looking at right now. The other thing I will say to you is that the portal period runs all the way through January 18th. More quarterbacks could enter, so that could be a help to them down the line. We'll just have to wait and see. If uh, Novoside had of uh, not, uh, if he'd made this decision a month ago, would Kyron Drone still be at Baylor? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I kind of think that because of the fact that Drone's did not get an opportunity to play maybe the second half or the fourth quarter against Kansas State, you know, way back in November. And just, and again, that was perfect for mop-up time, that sort of thing. I kind of think that it may not have mattered. In fact, I still would have felt like had Novoset committed or stayed committed and signed last week, that I think he would have arrived at Baylor in mid-January with the opportunity thinking that I can compete for the starting job in 2023. That was my read on this. All right. I don't, think, uh, I, don't, I don't think drones. I don't think drones was going to stay here one way or the other. Is is Texas Tech 
on a higher trajectory right now than Baylor, or would you not go that far? Uh, I think they're on a high trajectory. Are they higher than Baylor? Well, I guess maybe if you look at the way they closed the season versus the way Baylor closed the season, then yes. But, you know, Matt, every year is fluid. I mean, look, what were we talking about at this time last year, Matt, in early January? They're coming off a 12-2 and season, won the, uh, the Big 12 championship, just beat Ole Miss with a great defensive performance in the Sugar Bowl. They were preseason expectations for them to repeat as Big 12 champions. Tech was picked like eighth or ninth in the Big 12 this year, and then the script completely flipped. And I wouldn't say, and I would say that at this time maybe yes, but this is all fluid as we know. And I think the reason why every year is fluid and why nothing is appears as it seems right now is because of the transfer portal and the NIL, where player movement is more aggressive now than it ever has been. So rosters can completely change for the for better or for worse, and, and it can make a difference in terms of a program's failure from one year to success the next year. I mean, uh, there's a chance, you know, look, Baylor's got a lot of things that it's got to address, especially on the offensive lines, and it got both the Barrington brothers to do that. They get a big impact wide receiver in Keetron Jackson, who I spoke with today, had a great conversation with him, by the way. And those are things that are going to have to, that can change for Baylor for the better. So just because 2022 ended on a sour note doesn't mean that 2023 can be the same way. But I will say this. They do have to get off to a good start next year in order to feel good about the way 2023 can go. Man, good for you getting to Keytron before he's officially on campus because then. The, then... <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I know man. My are, and so... <laughs> are there any other Barrington brothers out there? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, if there are, well, I'll have to check with the uh, with Clark and Campbell about that. So, okay. But well, I wanted but to make I, sure we got all the Barrington <laughs> brothers. So, but you know, I I really think though, the, obviously Baylor has to get its quarterback situation right, Matt. As you know, they they can't go into. I, I this is just my opinion, and Dave Aranda, and you know Jeff Grimes and Sean Bell. Maybe if they are listening to this, they could say he's full of you-know-what, and forget him. I will say this. Baylor has to have a second quarterback on campus for spring football in order to kind of fortify and make this thing full whole in order to help the offense be more complete than what it is right now. They just don't have a choice as far as I'm concerned. Does Gary Bohannon have any eligibility left? (laughs) Well, you know, he had shoulder surgery, so I I don't know where he's at right now physically. All right. I just wonder if he could get back to the portal. <laughs> <laughs> I, All right. I think we were against that dance, didn't we? So. Let's bring him back. Where's Jacob Zeno? Can he come back? Is he, is he at uh, in Birmingham too? So I mean, I mean UAB. Yes, sir. And so, you know. All right. All but right. We'll see what happens. By All the right. way, big game tomorrow afternoon in Ames, Iowa, to open up the Big Twelve season too. So. Yeah, I agree with you, and uh, and that's big for the Bears to get going. And uh, let's not forget that the uh, the Baylor women open one o'clock versus TCU tomorrow as well. And oh, I wanted to give you a nugget for your people for uh, for rivals dot com. 
uh, and all you know all your subscribers. Trey Johnson, they they won that big Allen uh, tournament yesterday. They beat number seven in the state, Allen. Uh, Lake Highlands is number one in the state, and Trey had one of his typical like thirty-two, ten, and seven type games. All right, kind of like Luca Junior or something. Yeah, just terrible. And, uh, uh, so the Bears continue in their pursuit of the great Trey Johnson. We'll keep an eye on that one. You know, hey, by the way, too, we should also point out too for tomorrow's game against Iowa State that Scott Drew said this afternoon that L.J. Cryer, who's in the uh, concussion protocol up in the air whether or not he'll play tomorrow afternoon. So that could be a real, you know, issue for the Bears by not having one of their one of their best three point shooters on the floor tomorrow afternoon if he's unavailable for that game. All right, I'll find out more on that before the end of the show. All right, and I'll I'll share that with you if I find out some intel on that. I'll count the minutes, Matt. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I was counting the minutes on you earlier. All right, yeah, see I, was, I told you it was in protest, remember? And so. Okay, all right. Well, that's uh, that's good. That's uh, it, it worked. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care, Matt. Happy New Year. There he goes. Kevin Longquist. <laughs> He's still trying to talk, Aaron. Get him back. All right, 